You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham, and today is a very unique day. Um, it is a day that I will never, ever forget, and that is March 11th, 2020. So today is the one-year anniversary of the entire sports world shutting down. Today is the day, one year ago, I cannot believe it's been a year. This is absolutely blowing my mind. It's been an entire year that we've been going through this pandemic. It looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel, thank goodness. But today is the one-year anniversary of Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz testing positive for COVID-19 just before tip-off in Oklahoma City, Jazz Thunder game. The league postpones that game, and the whole league just shuts down. And it stayed shut down for five months. I mean, I cannot believe that was a year ago. I will never forget where I was. I was in Shake Shack in Draper, Utah. And I remember thinking, like, there's going to be a lot of dominoes to fall if the, it, now that the NBA has fallen, you know. Because the sporting world kind of tends to to lead the charge in a lot of these things, especially something like a, like a virus and big crowds. I mean, what draws big crowds more than sporting events, right? And so I knew that now that they were shut down, we were going to see a lot of dominoes fall. And we did. And it's been going on for a year. And we kind of went into a you know the depths and we've come back up a little bit. And there does seem to be light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, today, just this morning, uh, Dr. Fauci was on uh, ESPN, did an interview. And it was actually a very, very entertaining interview. Um, didn't know this, but the guy actually played point guard in high school. That was kind of a cool fact. But um, said that he thinks Steph Curry is the greatest point guard of all time, which I would agree with at this point. And that the Washington Nationals are his favorite team, which I love. I'm from the D.C. area. I grew up there as a kid, so I'm a big Washington football team fan, and I'm a huge Washington Nationals fan. Washington football team is probably my favorite team of any sport, um, but I do love the Washington Nationals as well. Went to two World Series games just two years ago when they won uh, again, you know, won the World Series So um, against the Astros. So anyway... Back to what he was saying about the you know the pandemic and crowds and sporting events. Uh, very encouraging to hear him, of all people, say that he thinks we're going to see big crowds in stadiums and arenas all over the country very soon, especially outdoors, which is encouraging for baseball. But even indoors, he sees more and more of that happening. I've mentioned before that my contact with the Utah Jazz has told me that uh, they have gotten the approval of both the Board of Health for the state of Utah and uh, from the NBA to have to have increased capacity in the stadium. I think they're going to double what they were at, which was 3,500 fans. So maybe you'll start to see 7,000 fans or something like that in the games, which is about 30% capacity, 35% capacity, give or take. But I think you're going to see full arenas very, very soon. And just yesterday, the Texas Rangers announced that on April 5th, they intend to have their stadium for opening night at full capacity, 41,000 plus people. Kudos to the Texas Rangers. I hope they do it. I hope it's a smashing success. I hope it's safe. So very exciting stuff. Hopefully we see more and more crowds uh, in arenas and stadiums all over the country soon because sports are just better with fans. They're just absolutely better with fans. It's better for us even watching on TV to have fans there in the stadium, to hear real crowd noise, to see reactions. And it's better for the, the, the players. I think it makes it more difficult on a lot of them. I think it's also inspiring to a lot of them. It just adds a huge, huge element that we're missing. So hopefully we can see that soon. And it does look like we will, which I am stoked about. But again, I cannot believe it has been one year to, to the day 
that uh, the entire sports world shut down. So hopefully we get back soon. Okay, moving on to uh, Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones, the NFL. They had a press conference yesterday. Dak got rich. It, it became official. He signed on the dotted line, got his millions and millions of dollars, $66 million signing bonus. And uh, in the press conference, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, who's a very shrewd operator, he's a businessman, he's a negotiator, he lost this negotiation, he knows he lost it, he should have paid him earlier, he knows he should have paid him earlier, he'd be paying him $13 million less per year if he had just agreed a couple years ago to give him an extension. So he knows he lost this deal, right? He has the audacity, he said it a little tongue-in-cheek, but he had the audacity to say that he's overpaying for Dak Prescott in the press conference with Dak Prescott sitting right next to him. That was that was uh, ballsy to say the least. I could not believe that. Um, he, again, he said it kind of meaning to be complimentary almost. Like, you know, I think Dak Prescott's going to prove to be worth what we're paying him, but we know he's not worth it right now. It was it was the ultimate complicit, you know, the backhanded compliment, the half insult, half compliment. And... If you're Dak Prescott, you're not loving that. You're like, really, dude? You're going to do this to me right now? You know, in front of, on a press conference that's going to go out to the world, the whole country is going to see this, the whole world's going to see this. All of Texas is watching. The entire NFL, you know, family is watching. And you're going to call me out for being overpaid. So you're basically negating the fact that I just got this. You're you're telling the world that you know that that I'm not that great, but, you know, the market's forcing you to do it. He got rich. I'm sure ultimately he doesn't care that much. But in the moment, you've as a competitor, you've got to be like, what? Really? Why are you saying that? And not only that, but he doubled down on it later in the press conference, saying that um, saying that, uh, that if anyone's going to take financial advantage of him, he's glad that it's this guy sitting to my right. And, of course, Dak Prescott's that guy. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, he's... He's got uh, no chill. You know, the guy just was going at it. Again, little tongue-in-cheek. He's trying to make it almost a, a compliment, but it was a very much a compliment. So um, I do not think that the Cowboys have any shot at winning the Super Bowl next year. And if that's what makes it worth it, if that's what makes him, you know, prove to have been worth being overpaid now, uh, I, I think Jerry Jones is sorely mistaken. Maybe they get one in the next four years. There's obviously a lot that would need to change in Dallas, but there's no chance they get one next year. Uh, okay, moving on. Back to the NBA. Uh, we did have a couple games last night. Um, nothing too exciting. The Wizards, who uh, I've talked about before as a team that's underachieving, I think they'll eventually rise and at least make the playoffs in the East. They lost last night. Not a good showing for them. Uh, the other game that happened, that was against the Grizzlies, by the way. The other game was the Mavericks and the Spurs. And a couple of interesting things happened there. One, LaMarcus Aldridge did not play. He's been not released, but he's now no longer with the team, with the Spurs. Greg Popovich announced that last night. And uh, they're going to look to trade LaMarcus Aldridge before the trade deadline. And if they can't find the right trade, they're going to just release him or buy him out. And that's really interesting because LaMarcus Aldridge is a guy that I think you're going to see the Lakers or Clippers try and go after. The, the Nets just got Blake Griffin. Uh, Andre Drummond is going to be out there soon. We'll see if he goes to the Lakers. It's looking like he's most likely going to be with the Lakers now. But I wonder if that shifts a little bit if LaMarcus Aldridge is out there. You might see one of them go to the Lakers, one of them go to the Clippers, and just these super teams just keep building and building, you know, trying to, uh, trying to best what the Nets are doing, essentially. And um, speaking, by the way, of the Nets, 
Rachel Nichols reported uh, the other day that Blake Griffin had said that Kevin Durant was the most vocal in recruiting him to the Nets. And it got me thinking about that 2010 tweet when LeBron James and Chris Bosh both announced that they were going to go to Miami and join Dwayne Wade. Kevin Durant tweeted, you know what, everybody wants to go play for the Heat now? Whatever happened to being competitive and going after these people, you know? And <laughs> and now he's the butt of all super team jokes. I mean, the guy went and joined. He was up 3-1 against the Warriors, blows a 3-1 lead. They had already won a title. They had just won 73 games in the regular season. Um, they ended up losing that finals the year that uh, LeBron came back from 3-1. But in the Western Conference Finals, as defending champs, the Warriors were down 3-1 to to Kevin Durant and the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder with uh, Russell Westbrook as well. And the Thunder blow that lead, the 3-1 lead, and the Warriors then you know, do the same thing in the finals, blow a 3-1 lead, and Kevin Durant joins them. He joins them. He joins the team that he was up 3-1 against and forming the ultimate super team. Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant. I mean, that was that was an even greater super team Barely, but it was an even greater super team than LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Both of those teams won two titles. Both of those teams also lost at least one finals. The Miami Heat lost two. Um, but those were like mega, mega super teams. Now you've got another one in uh, Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant is the ringleader. And I'm wondering, does he view this differently than the one in Golden State? I think he does. And to be honest with you, I do. Because... Brooklyn hasn't done anything without him. He got guys there. He got Kyrie there, or maybe Kyrie got him there. Either way, they got there together with Brooklyn having accomplished really nothing for decades. And now they've brought in James Harden. Now they've brought in Blake Griffin. There is a huge amount of pressure to win now uh, in Brooklyn. I think they've got a real shot. Um, but it is interesting to to think about how much the league has shifted from a guy who was making fun of super teams and calling guys out on super teams vocally and publicly on Twitter is now literally like the king of super teams and the butt of all super team jokes. So clearly Kevin Durant does view it differently. I'm very excited to see where um, Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge end up because those are two quality players. They're not at the, the peak of their primes anymore. They're kind of on the, the downslope, but they're still very productive players. They're very willing to be role players. Um, they both can actually shoot it pretty decently for big men. And so I'm excited to see where they end up. Um, I wouldn't mind if one of them wanted to come to the Jazz. I doubt that will happen, but they'd make a great backup to Rudy Gobert. But I think you're going to see one of them end up with the Lakers and one of them end up with the Clippers. That's my honest opinion. I think you're going to see Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge both go to L.A. just for different teams. And it's just going to be this big battle for the championship between all of them. But we will see. Um, okay, speaking, st- sticking with the, uh, the Nets and Super Teams, uh, Antoine... Uh, Antoine Walker uh, went after, didn't go after, he just mentioned that James Harden, that he didn't think that James Harden could win a championship with his style of play. He's like, look, if a guy just pounds the ball eight, nine times and then shoots, you're going to have four guys standing around watching, really eight guys now standing around watching and one one guy defending. And I've come, I've been very vocal about that myself over the years with James Harden. Like I've said for years, James Harden is not a guy that can win a title as a number one option on his team. As If he's the best player on the team, if he's the number one offensive option on the team, they're not going to win a championship. I said the same thing about Carmelo Anthony for years, and how right was I about that? Um, 
Same thing with James Harden. He guy's never been to a finals except with OKC when he was coming off the bench. And so I'm with I'm with Antoine Walker in his assessment. I do think James Harden has changed his style of play quite a bit this season. But what was funny is that Harden fired back and was like, I don't pay attention to that stuff, especially when it's from somebody who's not qualified to talk about it. Well, then Antoine Walker fires back himself and says, excuse me, not qualified? You know, and he goes through all of his, basically his resume. You know, how many seasons he was in the league, three-time All-Star, uh, won a national title at Kentucky, won an NBA title with the Miami Heat, um, gives his stats, you know, and says basically, hey, bro, I'm overqualified. And Antoine Walker is a guy that I think James Harden should listen to because, to be honest with you, they're kind of similar. They both were on teams where they were jacking up a ton of shots, not having a ton of success. James Harden obviously had more. James Harden's clearly the better player. We get that. Um, but Antoine Walker, for eight years with the Celtics, was taking like 20 to 24 shots a game, averaging uh, you know about the same amount of points, 24 points or so. Only went to the playoffs three times, though. He was also leading the league in three-point attempts, much like James Harden. Um, high usage rate, much like James Harden. Um, but he only went to the playoffs three times. Okay. And one of those was after he had left the the Celtics and then was traded back uh, for the last like 24 games of the season. And they went to the, to the playoffs for a third time. So really when he was like a big focal point uh, on the team, they only went twice to the playoffs. Well, then he goes to Miami and in his first year, he drops from taking 20 plus shots a game to taking just 11 shots a game. So he cuts his, his shots almost in half. His, his points per game went from like 20-ish, 21, down to 12. So not quite in half, but also went down quite a bit. And he wins the NBA title his first season, taking a back seat, just saying, you know what? Clear, and he was only 29 years old. It's not like he was some washed-up guy. He was 29 years old, still was a key player. He was the, the third option on that Heat team behind, of course, Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal in that order. And as a third option, he wins an NBA title. And it's not like he was some bench guy. I mean, they had Gary Payton on that team as well as a bench guy who was another perennial all-star who had never won a title, had been to a finals, uh, lost to Michael Jordan, um, which crazy enough was 10 years prior to that because the Heat won in 06. The Sonics Bulls championship uh, NBA finals was in uh, 96. So 10 years later, Gary Payton clearly out of his prime now gets an NBA title. Uh, because he was humble enough to take a back seat. He kind of had to just, uh, you know, by nature of age and things like that. David Robinson's another guy that comes to mind. Uh, took a back seat to Kevin, or Kevin, Kevin Garnett, to Tim Duncan and w- wins a title. Ended up getting a couple of them. Duncan, of course, MVP of both of those. But to me, Antoine Walker is a guy that James Harden really should listen to. And I think he actually kind of already has. It's just you don't want to like admit like, hey, he doesn't want to publicly admit yeah, you know what? I was dribbling too much and shooting too much in in Houston. And so, you know, he was right. You know, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm going to change how I play. But he's he is he's showing it. You know, he's showing you that he changed. He's taking way fewer shots. He's actually taking the fewest shots of his entire career this season outside of his three seasons in OKC where he was coming off the bench as a sixth man, which, by the way, is wild to think about. The Oklahoma City Thunder had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook and James Harden all on the same team, all drafted, and they they didn't start James Harden. They didn't start him. Like, just start him. If they would have just started him and paid him a little bit more, they could have kept him for at least several more seasons. 
They didn't do it. He goes to Houston and immediately turns into a superstar. And the Oklahoma City Thunder have since kind of fallen apart. Kind of a weird thing. But anyway, I digress. Getting back to this whole, the Nets super team, the real chances, Antoine Walker calling out James Harden, James Harden firing back at him. Um, I don't think James Harden is the guy that can win a title as a number one guy. I've said it time and time again. I continue to think that. Um, what's, what's interesting about the Nets is that they are coached by Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a two-time league MVP when playing for Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni coached Steve Nash with a high usage rate. He coached James Harden with a high usage rate. So I'm hoping that we don't see Steve Nash now as coach fall into the same rut that he was in with Mike D'Antoni and therefore James Harden fall into the same rut he was in with Mike D'Antoni, which is, hey, let's go have a great regular season. Let's put up a ton of numbers. Let's be super impressive. Let's win MVPs, which we don't deserve, by the way. Um, Steve Nash, the most overrated MVP in the history of the NBA. The guy has two MVPs and Kobe Bryant has one. Steve Nash has two, Kobe has one. Steve Nash has two, Shaq has one. Steve Nash has two, D-Wade has zero. I mean, don't even get me started on that. Um, I might do a whole podcast on that one day, but I, I hope that the Nets don't fall into that same trap of jacking up a ton of threes, being phenomenal on offense, playing zero defense, and flaming out in the conference finals. Because that's what that's what the Rockets did with Mike D'Antoni. That's what the Suns did with Mike D'Antoni. Um, the the key difference here is Kevin Durant. And, and Kyrie Irving. They're, they're just a mega, mega super team. But I think it needs to be very, very clear with these guys that Kevin Durant is the alpha. Kevin Durant is option one. They, they don't even have to be options two and three, they, but they at least need to be options 1B and 1C to the 1A Kevin Durant. If the entire team can get on board with that, from the coaching staff all the way through the end of the bench, if the entire team is on board that, hey, Kevin Durant is the guy we're really excited about having uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden as well. But Kevin Durant is our guy. If the whole team gets on board, I think you'll see the Nets win a title. I do. I think the only thing that can get in their way is themselves. And I do I do have a little bit of a fear with the Mike D'Antoni thread there with James Harden, Steve Nash. They're all kind of like intertwined uh, with the same, the same problem of non-championship basketball. And you're hoping that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, both of which have titles, can come in and say, look, this is how it needs to be done. Um, I, I'm not super concerned with them playing poor defense. The, the 2018 Warriors were 11th in defensive rating, uh, and they won the title, of course, with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Very similar thing here. Super team. Draymond Green is now like the Blake Griffin. They're obviously very different players, but it's like a, a distant fourth option to these three stars. Um, and so, to me, it there's some similarities there. I don't I don't have a huge fear uh, of them. You know, the, their defensive rating being pretty low. It needs to come up from where it's at. It's 26th. The Warriors were 11th. That's a big that's a big climb, and I think you will see them make that climb. But um, yeah, just a very interesting interconnectivity there uh, that that'll be interesting to see if the if the Nets can overcome the whole D'Antoni jinx, if you will. <laughs> um, but the, but the Suns, I looked up some of the stuff. Uh, the Suns, their net rating in 05, when Steve Nash won the MVP, his first MVP, they were second in their net rating. So again, that's the differential of your uh, your points per 100 possessions versus the number of points you give up defensively per 100 possessions. 
They were second in the league. Again, I mentioned yesterday, if you're not in the top five in point differential um, in the league, and then you have almost no chance of winning the NBA title. All of the last 10 champions have, have had that. They've been in the top five. The Spurs won the title that year in 05. Uh, they beat the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. The Spurs were number one in net rating that year. And so the net rating of the, the Nets right now is sixth, and I think you'll see that climb dramatically because they're just that good. Uh, but defensively, they are going to have to improve at least a little bit. They're already number one offensively. You need to see them get up from 26 up to like 15th or so defensively. They could be total middle of the pack defensively, and I think they win the NBA title. Um, okay, so interesting thing uh, about the three-pointer. I mentioned this with Mike D'Antoni. He kind of like started to really push shooting a ton of threes. Uh, Harden, you know, led the league in three-point attempts several years under Mike D'Antoni. And I mentioned Antoine Walker leading the league in threes, by the way. But it's interesting that the three-point shot really became super popular just in the last like eight, nine years, right? And the reason for that is two people. And I already know you know one of them, Steph Curry. The second one that nobody talks about anymore, and that's fine because he plays in China now, is Jimmer Fredette. Jimmer Fredette was one of the first guys that said, you know what, I don't need to be right at this line I get that this line is like the line that says from here back is is a three-pointer, so I should be as close to it as possible. He was the first one that was like, I don't need to be there. I can shoot from 10 feet back. I can still make this, and if they're not going to guard me back here, I'm just going to fire away. And he had the greenest of all green lights from uh, Coach Rose at BYU. There's never been a greener light than the one that Jimmer Fredette had at BYU. I know because I was there watching those games in the stands. Um, there's never been a greener light. The guy could do no wrong. Nothing will give your confidence a boost quite like that. And so Jimmer was firing away. So I went back all the way to the year 2000. And uh, I know that doesn't sound like a super long time to some of you. To some of you listening, you probably weren't even born yet. But that's 20 years. Okay, we're in 2021. So that's 20 seasons, 21 seasons that I went and looked at. All the way up through the Jimmer years, which is like 2010-ish. Um, the NBA three-point line is 23 feet, 9 inches. And the guy that led the league in deep threes, which is 25 feet or or further, so about a foot and a half further from the three-point line, was four a game. That was like the most you were seeing. And um, even, even Steph's second year in the league, which was Jimmer's senior year in college, the most shots from 25 to 29 feet was 3.6 per game by Eric Gordon. Okay. So now, then in 2012, 2013, the most per game was by Steph at 5.3 per game. So it's up, that's up 25%. Um, last season, James Harden shot 10.7 per game. 23 guys shot five plus deep threes. 23 guys shot five plus. This year, Steph and Dame have taken the most from deep. Steph's 42.5% from deep. Dame 39.3. The deep three has totally changed the game uh, to now where it's like if you can't shoot from the line, if you can't shoot a three in general, you're almost obsolete on your team. And now you've got guys like Dame and Steph especially that are taking them from way back. And I really do credit the three-point popularity and the coolness of it to Jimmer Fredette and Steph Curry. Because they were, I mean, I remember watching SportsCenter. This is back in like 2010. And SportsCenter would, on NBA games, freeze frame a guy shooting from like further behind the line. 
and it would have a little graphic underneath his feet that said Jimmer Range. So they they very much changed the game. Obviously, Steph Curry on a much higher level because he's gone on to win multiple MVPs, multiple uh, titles. He's the greatest shooter the game's ever seen. But it is crazy to look back at the numbers and see that guys were not, for years, for years, for a decade plus, the most got the most that anyone was taking of of a deep three per game was four in one game. That was like the league leader. Okay. Last year, 23 guys shot five plus. So 23 players were shooting 25% more deep threes than for a decade. Plus the guy that led the league in that category was taking. So think about that. Let that sink in. Like the, the shift to the deep three is hugely dramatic and it all happened in around the 10, 11, 12 seasons. And that's right when Jimmer Fredette and Steph Curry came onto the scene and were just going bonkers from deep. And now you're seeing it become a huge part of the game. You're going to see it continue to develop. Trey Young's another guy that's come into the league and just is like, yeah, half court, I'm open, I'm shooting. And I mentioned the other day that I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate seeing a four-point line, and I really stand by that. I would not hate seeing a four-point line come into play. That would be kind of, kind of fun. Um, okay, I'm going to end on this. Uh, two things. One, Myers Leonard, uh, he you've probably heard this story, so I at least want to mention it briefly. He uh, was on like a gaming system that was recorded. I can't remember what it was, Twitch or something. I'm not a gamer. But some sort of streaming gaming system. And he used an anti-Semitic slur. I won't say it, of course. Um, he was fined yesterday. He was fined $50,000 and suspended for one week. I think that's a, I think that's a fair punishment for, you know, for for publicly doing something like that, especially when you know you're streaming. It's like he knew people were watching. It's like we just can't have that, that hate speech. He claimed he didn't know what it meant, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and, and believe him. But the moral of the story here is that I want to say is if you don't know what a word means, but you know it's mean, which he obviously knew it was mean because the way he said it, if you heard the clip, the way he said it, he knew that it was something at the very, very least. He knew it was something bad, okay, at the very least. If you don't know what something means, don't don't say it. Don't use a word that you don't know what it means, especially when you know it's hateful. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, come on, dude. Be better than that. I lived in Russia for a couple of years and was learning, learning the Russian language. And that was like a huge rule of thumb that we had as learning languages was if you don't know what a word means, don't use it. And if you don't know what somebody just said, don't agree with them. Don't nod your head and say, da, da, you know, like don't sit there and agree if you don't know what people just said. And the, the, the same thing goes here. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We, we, he can't deny he knew it was mean. He clearly knew it was like a, a mean, rude, awful term. He claims he didn't know what it meant. Even if that's the case, dude, don't freaking say the word. It's that simple. Okay, last thing. Big Twitter debate yesterday. Uh, very fun debate. I love this kind of thing. And it was about whether or not LeBron James and Kevin Durant could beat Magic Johnson and Larry Bird in a game of two-on-two. Who would win that game? Now, to me, the answer is very, very clear, and that is LeBron James and Kevin Durant. I, I think they their athleticism is so superior to Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and their size is also superior. Not by much. Those guys were pretty big, um, but their size, the length, you know, LeBron's obviously the biggest uh, with, with his strength and whatnot. His height is pretty much the same as Larry and uh, and magic. And then Kevin Durant's a few inches taller, but he's scrawnier. But the athleticism is out of this world difference between the, the four players, Durant and, uh, uh, it looks like I'm doing peace here on YouTube, but Durant and, um, 
Durant and LeBron, I think they're be- they're better shooters. Um, Larry could hit from outside, probably better than LeBron, but not by much. Back in his day, he was like the greatest. Now a ton of guys in the NBA can shoot that well. But Kevin Durant, I would say, is actually a better shooter than Larry Bird. Uh, Bird's a slightly better shooter than LeBron, but LeBron's a much better shooter than Magic. And then LeBron and KD are have a little bit of an advantage in size and a huge advantage in athleticism. And so I don't think it would be that close. If it's a game by twos and threes to 21, uh, I think you'd see LeBron and KD win probably 21 to 12, something like that. I don't think it would be very close. Now you swap out one of those guys for MJ, you got a whole different story. You got a whole different story if you swap one of those guys out for MJ. Uh, maybe we'll do a whole podcast on this, like the greatest two-on-two battles or three-on-three or one-on-one battles. That could be kind of fun. But that is all the time I have for today. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please comment below. If you've made it this far, give me a comment below. Um, would love to hear from you guys. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. We got the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Yeah,